You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 33 with Meg Dahl. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the show. I'm so excited for our guest today, Meg Dahl. Meg is a holistic nutritionist and an eating disorder survivor that coaches other women on how to feel better, how to change their mindset, how to love themselves. She has so much good stuff, so much good content, so much realness that she really embodies. And I had actually been a fan of Meg's for a long time. She used to have a podcast called The Nourished Podcast. Um, and now she has a new podcast called The Unbreakable you. Uh, and it was funny because now that I have this podcast, obviously I want to get it out there. I want to reach more people. And a great way to do that is to get on other podcasts and just talk to other people in general. So I emailed Meg to see if I could get on hers, which was really scary, even though she seems, uh, before I met her, well, before I virtually met her, she always seemed very sweet and nice. Um, but she was just so much more than I expected her to be, just so sweet and caring, even though, like I said, I thought those about those, I thought those things about her initially, but um, she just met me with such open arms and she said, hey, if you're coming on my show, why don't I come on yours too? Why don't we do an exchange? And I was ecstatic because of course I wanted her to come on the show as well. I was going to ask her at some point anyway. So And now we're friends. Like we had such a good time recording this episode and her episode or my episode on her podcast should be out this week as well, I think. Um, But it just goes to show you that if like you get a little bit out of your comfort zone and you ask people for help or for a favor for you or to just, you know, help a sister out sometimes, like it's totally fine. We might make up these stories in our heads about um, how outcomes might be and how difficult they might be. But like the more and more I do it, the more I realize it's just like really not true at all. So just wanted to kind of share with you a little bit of behind the scenes of this episode and how it came to life. And I'm so glad I got in touch with Meg. Like I said, she is just so caring and has such a sweet vibe. Like, I don't know if I've ever met a sweeter person. Um, But after we recorded, we were like, oh my God, like we actually really like each other. So excited to continue to connect with her and uh, you guys should definitely connect with her as well. Uh, She has a website at megtherhn.com and she's megtherhn 
on Instagram and she posts a lot of great stuff and she really talks a lot about self-love and self-care as kind of a foundation for peace and life. And as women, we're not really accustomed to giving ourselves those things. And it can be really hard when we have received messages from like our parents, from the outside media, from, you know, friends and other peers that, you know, might say a certain thing about you, definitely in the media, a lot of parents do that and definitely a lot of friends. So like at some point in your life, it's probably happened. So we can become accustomed to just kind of being a certain way and not believing that we can change. And I talk about this so much in the podcast because I'm so passionate about it because I've seen my own journey from being somebody who didn't know what self-love was to now being somebody who just like, I just operate in that way. And that's really what I think self-love and self-care is. It's not like these things that you do once in a while when like you need it. Uh, it's actually, that's kind of like spirituality too. Um, many people lean on these things only when they need it, but what these things are, are practices that you bring into every moment of everyday life. And the best time to practice is when you don't need it, uh, because then it can become habitual. You can actually train yourself to be this way and to speak kindly to yourself. And like Meg and I talk about in the episode, that's not really our default as humans. And we can still, the point is not to completely eradicate that voice because again, like we have human brains that are going to think what they want to think. They're, they're egoic and they're going to want to keep us safe and they worry. But what matters is really developing that outside voice, that other voice that is so much more powerful. And I just want you to know that it's possible for you. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Definitely check out Meg, follow her on Instagram. I also wanted to let you know that as of last week, I am beginning to do some business coaching, which I'm so excited about. Um, I've just had so much fun growing my business in the past year. Um, I've seen the most growth in the past four months or five months since um, I had my business coach. And I've just really been learning so much. And actually, people have been reaching out to me to say like, Hey, what are you doing? And how are you doing it? And how are you making money? And how's it kind of happening? And there's a lot involved. And it really only changed for me when I had my own business coach, because they give you, you know, she gives me the strategy and the accountability, but like, she also teaches me things that I don't know. And having, having somebody there to really guide you in a one-on-one customizable capacity where we just like dish out everything that's going on with you and we help you um, grow is really the way to do it. So since I have been there and continue to grow, I'll probably always have a coach at this point, Um, just like my coach has coaches. So it never really stops, but I encourage you to invest in yourself if you want to create a business that you can run from home, a business that you can really you know, do on your own terms, something that you really love at this point, I'm really only working, um, in, you know, cook, doing my cooking stuff like two and a half days a week. Uh, and the other days I'm doing the online business stuff and I love that. And I didn't think that that was possible for me to kind of create what I wanted to and just live my life and like do stuff in the middle of the day. It's 4 50 PM on a Thursday right now. And I'm like, I feel like doing 
recording some stuff for the podcast. So that's what I'm doing. And having this type of life, like just creates so much ease and flow and not to say that I don't work my butt off because I do. I mean, I'm very focused and I, you know, might have to do things sometimes I don't feel like, so it's not perfect, but I wanted to let you know that I'm offering those three month packages for business coaching and we already have some clients on board and I'm hoping to create something larger out of it. So I would love if you could get in contact with me if that is something that you were thinking of, whether it's like I said online, whether you want to get started with private chef work, which is something that you can actually make a great uh, living off of. And you don't necessarily have to go to cooking school to do that. Um, and if you want to know about that, if you want to be your own boss and you like cooking, um, get in touch with me because you can totally make it happen. It's been six years that I've had a successful business and I've learned so much and I want to share it with you. So yeah, that's all I have to say about the coaching. Uh, let's get into Meg's episode. So thank you so much for being on the show, Meg. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor, honestly. Oh, it's my pleasure. And we've been talking for like half an hour or like 20 minutes um, (laughs) since uh, we have gotten on the phone. And this is actually like the first time that we've met. I have or like met over the phone. Um, But as I've told you, I've listened to your podcasts and I relate so much to your story And I think you have so many important things to say that people need to hear, especially in our realm of nutrition. Um, So I'm kind of wondering if you can tell us how you got to where you are and what you do now. Oh, boy. The big question to start (laughs) off with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We should have honestly been recording our whole conversation prior to this. There was some good stuff in there. I know. Um, But who am I? Well, for those who don't know me, my name's Meg Dahl. And yeah, I'm just super excited to be here. As all of our journeys, you know, it starts way back. So Mm -hmm. we could go, um, you know, really back to when I was 10 years old. That's usually where I kind of start. Um, I'm 26 right now. But when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with anorexia for the first time after the a close family member of mine passed away. So this was like the first close family member of mine ever passing away. And, you know, I clearly didn't know how to cope, but I was also being bullied in school and had extremely low self-confidence, low self-esteem. And obviously, um, I was definitely lacking in the self-love department. And um, I was also experiencing digestive issues and all of that wrapped up and led to an eating disorder. And, you know, with a team of health professionals, I was able to overcome that within a year and go on and carry on throughout my, you know, preteens and early teenage years without ever thinking about food. Like I lived a very very just like normal kind of early teenager life Mm -hmm. until I was 15 years old and I relapsed again when um, there was another death in my family. It was my grandfather this time and I was very close with him and, you know, um, just a lot of 
kind of chaos going on at that time. But again, this was the time where I, you know, reflect back and I can see just how little love I had for myself, how I had absolutely zero self-confidence and I just felt so judged. And again, this was, you know, my way of coping without actually knowing. And Mm -hmm. before I knew it, I was um, very, very, very deep in an eating disorder. And this eating disorder took me a long time to get over, to be completely honest. It truthfully wasn't until about 2013 where, you know, I was, I made the decision that there was still eating disorder tendencies that I was holding on to and I needed to let them all go. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was studying nutrition and dietetics. So I had a dream of becoming a registered dietitian. So I went to school, I went to university in London, Ontario for that. And I loved studying nutrition and it was really good for me. You know, I, I have like the best memories of university, which is awesome. But when I got to my fourth year and was getting ready to graduate, I had to really take a step back. And this is one thing about me, that everything that I do is very aligned with like my values, my beliefs, my truths, and like the way I live, right? So when I was getting ready to graduate and apply for internships, because you have to do an internship in order to actually be a dietitian, I just realized that, you know, the way I'm eating right now, whole eggs, butter, Mm, ghee, you know, all of those things, we weren't really like learning a lot about them um, in university. And I wanted to learn more about like why these nutrient dense foods were making me feel so good and like why they're not being talked about more, you know. And so I really thought that myself like mentally needed to learn more about food and like a healing aspect to just like heal my mind even more you Mm -hmm. know and let go even more of like that eating disorder that once held me back and just like seeing food in a new way so I went on to study holistic nutrition at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and from there I graduated as a registered holistic nutritionist. So that's um, what I am today. That is a title of mine. But that was I graduated in 2014. And now I have an online nutrition business. And as you mentioned, I also have a podcast. It's called the Unbreakable You podcast. And you are actually going to be on it very soon, which is so exciting. I know I can't wait. Yeah. So, you know, with my whole history, I work primarily with women who are dealing with some sort of health issue that's holding them back and they're craving that sense of freedom that I think we've all craved at one point throughout our lives. And, you know, some of my focus is on digestive issues, but very much um, working with women who 
have suffered from an eating disorder or even disordered eating and just want that freedom. I work a lot with essential oils and my favorite thing to talk about is self-love because really that is what got me to where I am today. So a huge area of like my passion and study and research and whatnot um, is self-love. And over the years, I've come up with kind of like a framework of self-love and what it consists of because people just think of self-love as kind of optional or fluffy or, you know, a thing that can kind of come last. And I have a mission of changing that um, thought around self-love. Yes. And it's so much more than like, just look in the mirror and say, I love you. You know what I mean? Which I think, which I think is the popular message. And I love everything that you just said. And I think it's a testament to anybody out there that's going through something that's difficult that, you know, you are a prime example of somebody who has turned that struggle into like something really beautiful, um, which I think is amazing. And, you know, I think too, the fact that you're so passionate about self-love, you know, I don't think that you would have been so passionate about it had you not gone through all of that. It's a big oh, assumption, but, sure. but it's something that I see with myself and with a lot of other people. Oh, absolutely. I like that's exactly why I am doing what I'm doing today is because of my history and journey and everything that I've gone through. So, you know, I just posted to Instagram yesterday about how I'm grateful for going through all of that. You know, Mm -hmm. I I know you and I would both never, ever wish like what we went through onto someone else because it was absolutely terrible but you know now being through it I'm I look back and I'm so grateful for everything that I've been through a hundred percent and the same with me I went through bulimia in my early teens Mm -hmm. uh, and never told anybody ever till I was like probably 26 I'm 32 now Mm -hmm. Um, like I didn't tell my parents it was just like this dark secret because it's like a dark world when you go through that Um, and then in college, it went away, like it was kind of asleep because I was getting into drugs and alcohol. And Mm -hmm. then in my early twenties, it came back. So that's also, and now it's probably been about, you know, maybe since I was like 26 or so that it's been healed and I've felt recovered. Um, but it's just something that is, so prevalent in our society and i'm so glad you're talking about it and especially the the self-love because that's something that i'm like if i tell my clients and stuff i'm like don't even worry about the food yet like let's get like that's the thing that matters the most that's the ultimate foundation even though the food does matter as well um i really do think the self-love is so important so i would love if you could talk about those frameworks that you've developed um to kind of walk us through those things in regards to that. Yeah, of course. And I totally agree with what you're saying. And I say this all the time, but my one of my favorite 
sayings is it starts with you, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not about the food that's on your plate, although you and I both know that that is important, but it doesn't start with that, Yeah, you know, and I was actually, I had dinner with Dallas Hartwig one night mm. and he is like the co-author of the book that is called It Starts With Food. Yep. And he actually said himself, the guy who wrote this book, he told me like it actually doesn't start with food. Yeah. You know, and ever like he knows this. I knew this. And, you know, when he said that, I was so pumped because my saying is always it starts with you. So um, what I mean by that is like this whole self-love piece. We need to do the work on ourselves in order to, you know, even nourish our bodies in a really healthy way without, um, you know, being bombarded and distracted and overthrown by like the diet mentality and stuff like that. And exercise too, you know, exercise is necessary, but that's not you. It, you know, that's all outside stuff. That's, those are kind of like the cherries on top, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we have to start with ourselves. And as I mentioned, um, just through my journey and supporting other women since, 2014 through their journeys towards self-love through eating disorders and disordered eating and just like any health healing journey I have done a lot of reflecting and kind of like studying you know those journeys and my journeys and what I have come to find that you know I don't and you know I want to clarify that like Self-love is in a destination, Yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, oh, okay, the day that I reached um, that self-love um, stepping stone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at the journeys of mine and my clients, I see that there's these like four like pillars that really stick out. So I've called these like the four building blocks of self-love. And I believe that anyone who is wanting to cultivate self-love needs to have each of these four building blocks in their life and that they're like actively working on them, you know, and it's not just one and you let the other three fall to the side. It's when you're like, super conscious and actively working on all four of them, that is when you are going to be on this self-love journey and like strengthening that sense of love you have for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of my work goes into teaching women about these four building blocks. So I have a program called Unbreakable Babe, and it's all about guiding women through these four building blocks. So we cultivate self-love, and it's so awesome. So the four building blocks, we can talk about those. So they can also be called the four selves. So we are on like a self 
development, self-love journey. It's about you. I just said it starts with you. So all of these um, building blocks start with the word self. So the first one that we always begin with, and like I said, they're all equally important, each one of them, each of the four, but there's kind of a flow that we have to go through. So the first we start with is self-talk. Now this is becoming very aware of your thoughts and you know we can go into these in detail but I'm just going to share with you the four building blocks so there's self-talk and then we move into self-compassion and then that's followed by self-acceptance and then we finish off with self-care but as we know this journey is never over so it's Mm -hmm. not actually finishing so those are the four building blocks of self-love. Perfect. And I think you made such an important point saying that it's not a destination because I feel like that's something that's really popular right now and something that people are, I think, sold that like in the self-help world, like just read this book and you'll be fixed or just do my program and like you're going to arrive and just love yourself forever. And I want people to understand exactly like you said, that it's a constant thing that you need to practice day in and day out. I think even with eating disorders, um, you know, you might still have like the same thoughts, but what matters is how you engage with them and the behaviors that you choose to partake in, um, you know, despite whatever is happening. So I really want people to know that. And, Because I think that especially now in society, we're told like always have positive emotions and never feel sadness or anger. And I think that that's a huge disservice. Uh, So I'm just wondering what you think about all of that as well. Oh, yeah. I just I was hoping you would um, give me a chance to comment on what you said about eating disorders. A hundred percent. You know, I'm not eating disorder thought free. I I don't believe I ever will be. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to talk about this. It's just so timely because it's actually mental health month. So I think this is awesome that we're talking about this. But yeah, just, you know, um, it's the way that we approach our thoughts. And, you know, are we acting on those thoughts? And really, that's what I want to empower women with those tools to like see their thoughts as thoughts. So that's really what um, the first building block of self-love is, is understanding that we all have these thoughts, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that they are your truth. Um, It doesn't mean that they are your truth. You are kind of sitting in that seat of your life where You can see these thoughts passing you by, but you have the power to view them as they are, which is just thoughts. You can let them pass you by or you can jump in and act on them and get really into them as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really what, you know, that self-talk building block is about is really becoming like that master of your mind essentially 
And yeah, what you said about um, the book. So I actually have a book as well. And it does guide you through these um, building blocks of self-love. But, you know, I love that, like, I'm not, like, claiming that this is your self-love book. Because, Mm -hmm. like you said, there are, you know, that's how a lot of books are marketed these days. Is Okay, read this one book and you're going to feel this, be this you know, experience this and no one like, that's not how it works. <laughs> no. And it's it, it, cause I was under that assumption as well, especially as I was going through my eating disorder, because I had just a lot of obsessive thoughts in general. So I'm like, okay, all I need to do is read this book and like, everything's going to be fine. And then you're sold that and expecting that you are going to be perfect afterwards. And then you feel bad about yourself. It's like, oh no, something's wrong with me because this book didn't work on me, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's just like a perpetual loop. So I love what you're saying as well about, you know, the self-talk. So you can continue, um, you know, talking about that. About self-talk? Yeah. Okay. Well, you just let me know if you have any questions as I go on. But yeah, the whole building block of self-talk, it, I teach women, you know, the things that I learned from my psychologist through Mm. eating disorder recovery. And, you know, when I first started um, practicing as a holistic nutritionist, you know, I would kind of like save this information for my eating disorder clients. Mm. And then as I started working with more and more women, because I don't just work with eating disorder recovery um, patients, but I work with, you know, a wide variety of women. But as I started working with more and more women, I started to realize that like, hey, you know, I have these incredible tools now from eating disorder recovery that all of these women like don't even know about, you know, they don't know what our thoughts actually are. And that's really like, what I want people to take away from that self-talk building block is knowing that like our thoughts, like we don't think them, right? So this Mm -hmm. is a great example. I'll just like give you an example just in case people are kind of confused. When we step into the bathroom and in front we're standing in front of the mirror and maybe this thought kind of like barges into your mind and it just like is kind of like you know like that kind of like Mm -hmm. like look at you today or whatever I want women to know that like they didn't think that right like so this thought just entered their mind like it is a thought our minds are not programmed to be positive and feeding us all of these like loving messages. That's, that's just not how our minds work. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's this thought that enters our mind. That's really negative when we step in front of the mirror. Now, what I want people to do within the building block of self-talk is see that thought as a thought and not your own thought that thought is not you that thought is not your truth you don't even believe that thought yet okay Mm -hmm. and now you have that option to do whatever you want with that thought you can 
tell your and be like, okay, that's a thought. You know, like I didn't think it. That's not actually how I feel about myself. And that is what I want women to understand when I guide them through that building block of self-talk is really being aware of your thoughts. And really when it all boils down to it, um, that's kind of how I describe that self-talk building block is like being in this state of awareness of everything that's going on in your mind and like truly understanding that you are just like sitting there and your thoughts are happening, but you're not like consciously making them happen, you know? Exactly. And that's actually a big relief, right? Oh, huge. It's like, yeah. okay, and like, I'm not this negative, horrible person that has these thoughts. They're just coming from like my human brain that's mm-hmm. trying to make me survive. So that really takes a load off, I think, for a lot of people once they kind of realize like, okay, this might never go away. So what am I going to do? about the way that I approach them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's about becoming that master and developing that stronger voice that could be dormant for a lifetime. Yeah. So that's really where that like Mm self-compassion building Mm -hmm. block comes in. Perfect. So, you know, I named that first building block self-talk, but it's not like the action of speaking to yourself yet. Like I said, it's more of that state of awareness, whereas the self-compassion building block is really where we wake up that voice because, you know, I tell you within like that self-talk building block that like, okay, your thoughts aren't really your thoughts. Like that's not you, right? But then you're like, okay, well, Like, I know I have a voice. Like, where is my voice, right? And we start using that voice within that self-compassion building block. Like, that's where I teach women how to speak to themselves compassionately and lovingly and even, like, go further than that and, like, treat yourself with compassion, you know? So. I'll give you two examples from using your like inner voice um, to speak compassionately to yourself, but also like just treating yourself with compassion, because I think that's important that people know that like, you know, it's there's so much to do within this self-love journey. And I love that you brought this up at the very beginning before we even like started this conversation on self-love is like, it's so much more than like staring at yourself in the mirror and saying, I love you over and over again. Yeah. So that self-compassion, you know, when we learn in that self-talk building block that, you know, okay, our thoughts are not our thoughts in self-compassion. That's when we, like use our voice. So this is like that action, like building block. This requires you to do the work. And this is a lot of the times where women will say, but this is so hard. And yeah, it's really effing hard. It's you know, so hard. and I often tell people, you know, like I wish it was as easy as putting an extra like serving of kale on your plate like Mm -hmm. how awesome would that be but so easy this takes work because you know now we know that our thoughts are not ours 
And instead of like believing all the negative crap we're saying about ourselves, we actually have to make this conscious effort and take action and speak to ourselves with love and compassion. And so, you know, we'll go back to that example that I used when we're standing in front of the mirror and that negative thought immediately enters our mind. Well, now we know this thought isn't ours and we haven't believed it yet because we now have separated ourselves from that thought. So using that self-compassion building block and the tools within that building block, we now are like, hey, like, that's just a thought. And you know what? Like, I don't actually feel that about myself, you know, and Mm. we start speaking, actively speaking to ourselves with compassion and using like those loving terms. Um, One of my favorite practices for within this building block is actually getting women to refer to themselves at like with a like term that makes them feel loved. So for an example, like what if you called yourself babe? Like what if every single time a negative thought entered your mind and you were like, you know what, babe, like that is totally false. Or when you were, you know, maybe you um, got a parking ticket or something. I don't know why that was the first thing that entered my mind, but Mm -hmm. maybe like something like that happens and you're like beating yourself up about it. And then all of a sudden you are like, okay, like I need to, you know, be active about this and do my self-compassion. And you're like, you know what, babe, like shit happens, like Mm -hmm. stuff like this happens. It sucks, but you're okay, babe. Like everything's okay. It's all going to work out. You know, those are just like a few examples. And I love using like a term that allows you to feel loved. And for all of us, it's going to be different. You know, Um, I know one of um, the girls that went through my Unbreakable Babe course, you know, she started referring to herself as like a nickname that her parents called her when she was really little that she loved and like it just made her feel super loved. So and I know for me, like whenever someone calls me Megs, like that is like my nickname from like a child. And so I always get like this kind of like happy, lovey feeling whenever someone calls me Megs. So just some examples of what to do within that self-compassion building block and like how to speak to yourself, but also just like treating yourself with compassion is so important. So one of um, my favorite examples for this would be like, let's say you're feeling super run down one day mm-hmm. and like you have this awesome workout planned and you were really looking forward to it, but like you're so run down. Self-compassion would be like realizing that like you're not feeling so hot and maybe working out isn't the best idea for you today and so giving yourself like either the entire day off or maybe what your body's really craving is just like a little like five minute walk with your dog around the block or something Mm -hmm. right um so that like there's so much to explore within self-compassion too there is and I think that is a great um way to approach, you know, let's say somebody realizes that um, a food doesn't work for them. Let's say, for example, dairy. 
makes them super bloated and um, gives you brain fog, makes you constipated, whatever, some sort of negative reaction. Um, I know when I kind of realized this about myself, because uh, you and I kind of have uh, similar diets of, um, you know, the way that we eat, maybe we don't eat certain things. Um, but instead of coming at it from like an obsessive place and, um, you know, making it very difficult, if we approach it with self-compassion, it's super powerful because then we can be like, I choose not to eat this thing because I'm actually taking care of myself. And that really takes the load off with the food obsession too, because you can kind of look at it from like an aerial view and see like this food doesn't make me feel well and to be kind to myself I choose not to have it oh yeah I love that so much so good and it's super important especially like as we learn to eat better I think it's very hard to give up foods sometimes um, that might not work for you. But if we can approach it in that way, that's what I kind of tell my my clients. I'm like, what is the kindest thing that you can do for yourself right now in regards to the way that you eat? Let's say even somebody is obsessed with sugar and they feel both like psychologically and physiologically addicted to sugar. Um, I think that approaching it with the self-compassion, you know, in any food is the most powerful thing that we can do. Oh, yeah. And sometimes that's going to change too, right? absolutely. Throughout life. Yeah. And like even day to day. So like a good example would be um, eggs. Right now, they're just like not really making me feel too hot. So I um, typically will have them about like once a week and I can do pretty well with them once a week. Mm -hmm. And I just had them yesterday and I felt so great yesterday. And then I woke up today And, you know, I'm in the middle of making my breakfast and I was actually going to throw some ground pork. Like I was going to have like a completely egg free breakfast. And as I was making it, I just like was like, oh, my gosh, eggs would be so good in this. Mm. And I just like felt like that. And so I just assess and I'm like, "Okay, you know, like, is it like I don't know 100 percent if I'm going to feel good or not from the eggs but like do I really want them like is it going to be more like loving um to eat the eggs today or would it be more loving to be like hey maybe I don't need them today I chose today that you know hey I'm gonna go for it and because you know, that was my form of love for myself today. Anyways, I, you know, I hope this is all making sense, but I want people to know that like it, you know, you really have to be mindful because it can change from day to day. But, um, in the end, it's just important that you're choosing what is going to be the most loving action for yourself. Absolutely. And sometimes it is eating, you know, an ice cream that I love that is like super sugary, super full of dairy, obviously, but is so good that sometimes it's worth however I'm going to feel afterwards for those moments. And like you said, it's an everyday thing. What is the kindest thing I could do for myself right now? And sometimes it will be having the thing that, you know, doesn't make you feel like optimal or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I think that's an amazing point to make. It's just as important as choosing not to eat it, you know? Yeah, We have to have both. 
Yeah, and like, you know, some, you know, back when I started letting go of all these food rules back in 2013, um, the questions that I would ask myself are, is this going to make me happy? And is this going to make me healthy? And I want to point out that like healthy didn't always mean like actual physical health because I love your ice cream example. And that's one that I often use as well. You know, we know that like ice cream isn't the most like nutrient dense food, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, because of all the sugar that is in most ice creams. But sometimes it is going to make me super happy And it's also going to feed into like my mental health. And, you know, I feel like that is why I was always asking myself those questions. You know, it might not technically be like the healthiest for me when you're, you know, like if your average person is looking at the situation, but it's going to be like super healthy for me in the long run that I'm like living this balanced life. So those are some questions that like your listeners can even ask themselves is, you know, is this going to make me happy right now? And is this going to allow me to feel healthy? And it can be that like mental, emotional, um, physical, even spiritual health. Yes. And it's like, what part of me is this feeding right now? You know, yes. feeding the soul yes. and your mind is sometimes just as important as, you know, the food that goes into your body. Um, oh, yeah. So I love that. And let's go on to the next pillar. Yeah. For so self-acceptance. So mm. this is one that I love and it's kind of like where we start taking a little bit of a shift because we're talking about, you know, very much like mindset and the like speaking to yourself through that action. So those are a lot of like up in the mind um, area. But when we start talking about self-acceptance, like we cannot love ourselves. Remember, we are on this journey to self-love and we cannot love ourselves if we are like rejecting pieces of ourselves, Mm. right? Totally. So... I like to, you know, within this building block, I always say there's a lot of like letting go and embracing to happen within this. So I like to say, you know, let's let go of all of the shoulds. Let's let go. And like, I love the word shoulds. I know it's not like an actual like, um, <laughs> like verb, but you know, we should on ourselves all the time. Like we should be this, we should look like this, we should do this. And, you know, we should be here already and all of that stuff. And within like the self-acceptance building block, I really, you know, I like people being aware of like the shoulds because these shoulds really prevent us from actually being who we are. Totally, totally. And that's what I had to let go of when I was on my own journey is letting go of all of these like expectations and rules I placed on myself. You know, I had a million and one shoulds about how I should eat. And the same went for my exercise and the same went for how I looked physically. And I had to let those go to actually like learn who I actually was. 
And then when we kind of, so I really like to think of this self-acceptance building block as um, kind of like, you know, an orange or something that you can peel, right? So it's like peeling back these layers. So we're peeling off like those shoulds that are preventing us from actually knowing who we are. And then the next step is we're going to like peel off what we're resisting about ourselves. So what is it that you are resisting about yourself that's actually, again, preventing you from truly knowing yourself and loving yourself Mm -hmm. and being yourself? And that's one of my you know, favorite things is that like you, you need to know yourself in order to love yourself. And in order to know yourself, like you have to be yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So this beautiful building block of self-acceptance is really getting to that like juicy inside of the orange of like who you actually are. And to do that, we need to let go of a bunch of stuff, but also embrace the things. Yeah, because if not, we can go through like our whole lives thinking we're a certain person and then we can actually realize like, wait, that has nothing to do with who I actually am. You know, and that takes and that takes work too to figure out. And that is tough sometimes to like want to look inside and see and kind of figure yourself out instead of just going by habits or expectations are another one too of like what does this person expect of me um breaking out of that shell is and really living your life according to your own terms and really doing what you like no matter if it's like unconventional or it doesn't go along with what everybody else in your life is doing that is fully okay mm-hmm. yeah I love this and it's so fun it's such a journey and adventure to get to know like the real you it after. Is. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, I'm actually kind of cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can yeah, realize, exactly. like, yeah, I love that. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about self-care because uh, self-care is another one of those that's just like get a manicure or a massage. Um, and that's like, I'm like, that's like one hour a month, you know, I'm like, that is oh, not yeah. enough. So let's elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, it drives me kind of bananas when people think that's kind of where self-care is and where it stops yeah. is like the manicures and bubble baths. And you're going to see that um, most often that people are, you know, sitting in a bubble bath and posting a picture of like, you know, their little toes sticking out of the bath and then they hashtag like self-care Sunday. And it's awesome. But that is just like promoting the fact that self-care is bubble baths and manicures and whatnot. So I really um, want to open people's eyes to what self-care actually is. And this, you know, is kind of, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning is like that food aspect, like feeding ourselves, nourishing ourselves is a form of self-care. That's Mm -hmm. where this fits in. Um, So every single time that you are putting food into your mouth, into your body, that is a form of self-care. So how are you going to go about that, right? Like what is like caring for yourself right now? And exercise, 
another form of self-care. It's not because we want to change the way we look or, you know, burn X amount of calories because we ate X, Y, Z. Like that is not within self-love. Like that is not um, part of the self-love journey. Um, Exercise can be a form of self-care when we approach it through the eyes of self-care, right? And Mm -hmm. that changes a lot of things. And then just another one that I always love talking about because I don't think people see this as a form of self-care typically. And it's one of the things that I wrote about very first in my book within the self-care building block is setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. So um, setting boundaries for yourself is a huge form of self-care yet a lot of people are still seeing that as being like selfish or like overly protective of your time and whatnot but really it is like one of the most highest forms of self-care absolutely and I think we need I think it's a great practice in resiliency too um because especially if you're somebody who, which I was this a hundred percent for most of my life, just like a people pleaser, always saying yes, always just doing things that I didn't want to do just so people would like me. And it was kind of a surprise to people when I would be like, actually, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to eat at that restaurant. Or once I kind of figured out who I was, I'm like somebody who likes to go to bed early, uh, who doesn't like to go out and party at all. Um, And that was my identity for a really long time. So, and that identity was developed from like, this is what you should be doing to have fun. This is what society expects of you and your friends expect of you. Um, And then once I kind of realized what I like doing, which is like reading and, you know, just like living really calmly, um, Mm -hmm. it was hard for the people around me to, to accept that. Um, and I really developed a lot of like resiliency and strength from that, you know, kind of holding my ground and being like, this is who I am and it's perfectly fine. Um, and I know you and I are kind of similar in that respect, um, after listening to your podcast and, uh, I know, or I assume you're a highly sensitive person as well. Oh girl, like (laughs) I am the most sensitive person you will probably ever meet I am extremely sensitive like I can walk into a room and be like nope I've got to leave right now (laughs) those words come out of my mind like all the time just Uh, like nope Um, yeah and so I love what you said about the self-love pillars I hope people got a lot out of that um and I really want to shift over to the topic of sensitivity because I think that it's not really talked about enough Um, the fact that like there is an actual thing in the world where people are more highly sensitive to sounds, to energy, to noise, um, to food even. Um, so have you always known that you were sensitive? When did you kind of become aware of, of that? Honestly, probably when I started back in 2013, like peeling back those layers of, the things that were preventing me from actually knowing who I was, right? Mm -hmm. So I grew up, as I shared at the very beginning, with um, digestive issues. And they were always kind of something that, you know, we just pushed off. And if you asked me at, like, 20 years old, so just, like, 
six years ago, if you asked me, like, are you like sensitive to foods and whatnot? I'd be like, no, like Mm -hmm. my, you know, I thought I had like this like stomach of steel and I could eat anything, but it was just because I was like ignoring myself. I really wasn't listening to her. So yeah, no, I have definitely not always known I was a sensitive person yet you know today I I know this and I honor it and I don't reject it or resist it because you know when we resist ourselves that's it's not bringing us closer to who we are and it makes this whole self-love thing so much more difficult and impossible, really. Yes. And I fully had the same experience too. Like, as you know, I'm a private chef and I went to cooking school. So for kind of like an intense cooking school. So for a long time, I was somebody who kind of managed, I used to be overweight and then like with, um, you know, I did Weight Watchers and all that and I ended up losing it before I ever knew anything about nutrition. Um, but then I went to cooking school and I was able to kind of manage my weight just kind of by not eating that much, practicing what I thought was real intuitive eating, um, just taking a couple bites of things. And I'm like, anybody who restricts any type of, um, food or gives up a food group is wacko. They don't know what they're talking about. They're missing out on life. And like you, I also had digestive issues, like major digestive issues and like I'm talking going to the bathroom once a week for like my whole life oh yeah I will never forget the day sorry I'm butting in here but I will never forget the day when I was sitting in holistic nutrition school so you guys like this was in 2013 like not that long ago (laughs) um but kind of at the same time because ho has so much happened since then but I was sitting in holistic nutrition I was in class and we were in a practicum with a colon hydrotherapist and there was about like I don't know 18 people in my class so there wasn't a lot of us right so if you raised your hand you would like everyone could see Um, and she was asking us about poop and she asked you know who pooped today and every single person in the room like raise their hand Mm. and I was just like huh okay and I realized that I had not pooped in like two weeks yeah and that was just a normal thing for me it was just kind of like I seriously had a bowel movement like one to two times a month yeah I mean yeah I totally like Oh my, I just see myself so much in that story. And what's interesting is that I, you know, my, I would tell my parents and they'd be like, well, just take Metamucil, like these fiber drinks. And I was like, literally in my group of friends, I was like the queen of fiber, like (laughs) fiber one bars and like, you know, that packed with like who knows what and tons of gluten and whatever, not knowing that that was exacerbating my problems and kind of touching on what you talked about in the beginning, how you chose to go down a holistic health and nutrition path. I had also kind of played around with becoming a registered dietitian. And I went to this like gastroenterology uh, doctor 
um, place and I saw a doctor there and I was like, look, I go to the bathroom once a week and I think I eat pretty healthy. Like I eat whole grains and prunes and whatever else is like, you know, the food to make you go to the bathroom. I was definitely eating it. And he was like, you know, I'm just going to give you this medication and I want you to go see the registered dietitian here. And I went to go see her and I had kind of like become super fed up at that point because I was like, I'm super uncomfortable. Uh, at that point I had started to realize my sensitivity. Um, and I had been researching like a good way of eating that would solve these problems. And I had been practicing with paleo and it had made me feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, and the registered dietitian was like, oh, you can't do the paleo diet. It's just a fad. You can't just eat the whole foods. You're going to have to eat grains at every meal. And she literally gave me a diet plan of like, you know, whole wheat toast and all these things that just weren't working for my body. And I told her that she's like, no, this is what you need to eat. And the moment I left there, I was like, I have zero faith in, in these types of, not all of them. So I'm not like blanketing everybody. Um, yeah. And I I hope I was clear. Yes. Yes. It's not, it's not everyone. Um, but it's some that don't really fully understand the, the depth of different types of issues that people are going through and the openness to suggest something different when they say that something isn't working for them. Um, so that's kind of what like, you know, made me super passionate about going to a holistic health school because I saw such a remarkable difference in kind of like you, I did a whole 30 and it totally changed my life. I'm like, wow, I don't have to walk around feeling bloated. Like this is crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was just complete, like totally life changing for me. Um, and it's not to say too, that, you know, I never go through moments of bloating or whatever. Um, but it's just remarkable the changes that, you know, our diets can, can give us, especially when we are sensitive people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when did you do your first 1230? I'm just like, so in awe how freakishly similar you and I I are. I know. Right. What, What sign are you also? I am the cusp of magic. So I am right um, on like the cusp of being like a cancer or a Gemini. Oh, yeah. are you, are you a, I was going to guess that you're a cancer. Crazy. I know. Yeah. So I always identified as a Gemini just because of like my birth date, uh-huh. which is June 20th. Okay. Um, so technically if you look at that and don't really know about like the cusps, um, it would be that I am a Gemini. Mm. I recently, like, well, several months ago, I guess, um, I went to a natural medicine doctor and she is like a Reiki practitioner and reflexologist. So I really did go to her for reflexology and then we moved into Reiki and she did not know my birthday, obviously. And she was like, you're a cancer, right? Mm. And I was like, I don't, like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm a Gemini. And so she asked when my birthday is and she's like, no, you should definitely look into like cancers and like, let me know how you feel about that. So I did more and more research. And yeah, then I started learning about like the cusps and how we can be, you know, both 
And yeah, it's super cool. So yeah, I was gonna, that's like the vibe that I've always gotten from you um, is really? like very sensitive and sweet. That's like the, the two attributes of a cancer. Um, Mm -hmm. super like sensitive feeling, very, very understanding and loyal and sweet. My best friend, one of my best friends is actually a cancer. So that's why we got into, that's why I asked you that whole, I'm super into that stuff as well. And I'm also a Reiki practitioner as well. Oh my gosh. So into I need that world. to come. Yes. I need to actually come and hang out with you I in know, real life. <laughs> I know you have to, you have to. Um, but anyway, my first whole 30, I think I did in 20, I think in 2013. Okay. So yeah, mine would have been 2014 because I, I actually like February just seems kind of like a transformative month for me mm-hmm. in February of 2013. That was really when I was like, okay, I'm going to let go of all of this crap that's holding me back and I'm going to kind of follow through with like that happy healthy kind of like concept of mine right so I went along with that and then a year later I was in this mental place exactly a year later February of 2014 I was in this mental space where I was feeling so like like free of like disordered like behaviors and thoughts and whatnot and at the place in my life where I was able to now see food as a form of self-care and self-love and that's when I did my first Whole30 too. Mm, Amazing and did you have big changes? Oh huge that was like the first time I ever actually started having regular bowel movements. Right it's crazy it's like why didn't anybody tell me this? I know (laughs) I know. It's So yeah, I'm so happy that you found it and were able to find healing because it is really powerful. And a lot of people say it's like restrictive and whatever. But I think the way that if you approach it with the correct intention of like curiosity and healing and kindness versus that of like restriction and punishment, then it can be a really profound experience for a lot of people. Um, I love that you said curiosity because I think that's how you should... Um, approach the whole 30 or any type of kind of self-experimentation protocol you know exactly like you know I don't have to have a certain outcome let's just kind of see how this goes and why not give myself the opportunity to kind of see how foods actually affect me because I think sometimes people can feel a certain way and not realize that they can feel better Mm -hmm. and it's not until you kind of do something um, that's kind of a big shift to your body that you can realize that, whoa, I can actually like poop every day and feel awesome most days. I know. <laughs> um, it's super important to me now to have that bowel movement every day. Um, but, uh, something else that I know you've kind of talked about, maybe said like in passing and something that I have been going through recently, um, this will be the last question before we go to the quick fire is the fact that you don't drink alcohol. I don't think. <gasps> Well, this is it. I probably drink alcohol like once a year if the opportunity. Um, I was actually in a wedding and I I have to like chuckle at myself. So I was in a wedding party for one of my best friends just like a couple of months ago. And someone asked me like, oh, Meg, you don't drink, right? And I was like, oh, I did back in October. And (laughs) it just sounded so outrageous because – 
you know, usually people are like, oh, no, I don't. Or, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. But I was like, eh, like I did back in October. And yeah. it was just kind of, um, they, everyone just kind of looked at me and was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like back in October, my boyfriend and I, we went to New Orleans mm. for the very first time. And so he booked us a room at like, um, oh, the... I'm drawing a blank on what it is called, but it has like a carousel bar in it. And it's like one of two carousel bars in the world. And this is like the bar that they've like made so many cocktails, like very famous cocktails at. And so I knew that it would like mean a lot to him if I had a drink, but that's not why I had a drink there. You know, we were sitting at the carousel bar. It is like packed because everyone wants to sit at this bar. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, sitting there being like, hey, like if I go home and I don't order a drink here, I'm going to be like, oh, why didn't I get one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just told the guy like, I don't drink that often. I don't do well with like sugary things. So make me whatever you want. And so he made me something. It was absolutely delicious. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what it was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just like doing the things when it feels right to you. And yeah, so... I guess that kind of answers your question. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what's important to note is like to just be deliberate uh, when you do it, because um, I don't think it's really about like, well, it's like the food, like what is going to be the best thing for me right now? And I know that most of the time for me, especially like as I've discovered my sensitivities and things like that, that I feel amazing when I don't drink, especially (laughs) because pretty much 100% of the social things that I do, um, maybe 95% of them involve alcohol, whether it's like going out to dinner or um, going out to meet somebody or friends for drinks or going to somebody's house or a birthday party or whatever it is, there's always alcohol there. And I used to just be like, well, I'm going to do this now because again, that was my identity. That was the way that I connected with people back in my college years and a little bit afterwards. Um, But I have found such a remarkable difference in my life, just being super deliberate about it, maybe doing it once or twice a year. Um, And literally every area of my life has improved. Um, My sleep, my... um, you know, the way that I think, the way that I move my body, the way that I want to eat. Um, it's just been really, really amazing. Um, but yeah, like I'm getting married in February, uh, this coming year. That is so exciting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm like, you know, I'll probably drink at my wedding. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just, again, just being super deliberate about when I choose to do it and, seeing like, okay, if I'm like in a really amazing setting with somebody that I love, then yeah, you know, but to do it mindlessly is something really different. Yeah, kind of like if it's going to enhance your experience wherever you are in like a positive way, exactly. um, then I'm all for it. But yeah, I like I never just like plan on doing it. It's just um, something that if it's feeling right in the moment, similar to kind of like having a 
treat or whatever, like you said, very similar to like the food as we were talking about. But yeah, that's kind of my approach to it for sure. I love that. I love that. Um, So I'm an avid reader. So something that I ask all the guests is what they're reading right now and kind of the biggest books that have had the biggest impact on them. Okay, such a good question (laughs) because I love reading, but I am like so bad at like picking up a book while I'm at home. It takes me to be like on a beach to Mm, read a book. Okay. So uh, I was actually um, in Barbados just like a couple of weeks ago and I read finally Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. So good. So good. I read all of Brene's books. Absolutely amazing. So if someone's like looking for a book that is going to totally open up their eyes and their mind and their hearts, definitely check out all of Brene's books. But right now I was, I actually um, just made kind of like a note for myself to log into my Audible account because I really want to listen to, so like ear read I guess um the judgment detox by Gabby Bernstein I'm not sure have you read that one yet I haven't read it yet but I've read all of her others you have and Mm -hmm. that's kind of like one of my things I have not read any of Gabby's books oh wow yeah but like there's something about this judgment detox because that I'm really drawn to because for so like I mean that's really what caused so much of what I've been through Mm -hmm. in, you know, in just like the whole judgment, like feeling judged by others. And I just thought like, I've never read a book about judgment and Mm. I thought it would be um, a good one to kind of read. Yeah. She, she was kind of like my doorway into the spiritual world. Um, So cool. So I really love her work and yeah, I want to read that book too. So I love that. We should do it together. I know we should have like a little mini book club for us. Absolutely. So the last question I always ask everybody is a little bit of a morbid question, but if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Oh, girl. (laughs) It would be my dad's grilled salmon. Love it. He nails it every single time and since it's my last meal I would eat like the entire like <laughs> the full salmon fillet. like I would eat the whole filet yes and you know I might not be full by then but I, I don't know what sides I would choose maybe some um super crispy roasted brussels sprouts oh my God, that's um something like that but there would definitely be salmon involved and my dad would have to cook it because every single time he makes salmon which is like once a week for me so I don't live with my parents but Mm -hmm. um I live walking distance from them and he'll just text me and be like salmon for dinner tonight and so I'll just go over there and um it's just he nails it every single time that's (laughs) another similarity because I'm obsessed with salmon and I know you oh aren't. It's my gosh. favorite protein. Like my my fiance's like, you should just start a blog for all the salmon in Miami 
because yes. <laughs> you've oh eaten all gosh. of them. Like, I wonder what you're going to have for dinner tonight. Okay. Um, so now even more of a reason for me to come hang out with you in Miami. We I can know. just eat all the same foods. And, It'll be amazing. We can, oh, I can do so right, Reiki. Um, and I also am obsessed with Brussels sprouts. And actually, my favorite salmon, too, is the one my parents make at their house, which is my favorite That's restaurant. Wild. I know. I'm like, I don't want to go out to eat. Let me just go to my mom and dad's house. Um, they live about 10 minutes driving from from where I am. So they're super close. Um, but thank you so much for being on the show. This was an amazing episode. Girl, I loved every minute of it. So thank you so much. And I am so excited to have you on mine. I know. Yay. Just in a couple of days. So let everybody know where they can find you online and what they can check out if you have something going on right now. For sure. So um, on social media, I am known as Meg, the RHN. So RHN stands for registered holistic nutritionist. So Meg, the RHN, you can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Well, very. I'm there every day. And it's definitely my favorite platform of social media. But you can also go to my website, MegTheRHN.com. And then as we mentioned a few times already, I do have a new podcast called The Unbreakable You Podcast. So if you guys want to check that out and listen to Ashley on that, um, mm-hmm. her episode will be coming out soonish as well. So I'm so excited just to have my own um, podcast now and being like having these conversations um, similar to what we did today. But, you know, for so many years, I was talking about food and like different diets and different ways of healing. And I just wanted to kind of change the conversation a little bit and leave people um, with tools to allow them to feel like more um, powerful and unbreakable in their lives um, every day. I love that. Relate to it so much. And it's so important. So definitely check Meg out on Instagram and her website and check out her podcast, The Unbreakable You. And it was such a pleasure, Meg. I know that we're going to be friends. Thank you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I am 100% (laughs) coming to visit you. I just invited myself. Oh, and, and I have space for you and extra salmon. So <laughs> You're amazing. Thank right. you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 